Welcome to the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast brought to you by Worship Catalyst. We are here to help leaders learn how to do more with less. For more information or engage with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com. We're so glad you're here today. Let's learn together. All right. Hey, Austin Ryan here for another episode of the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Uh, helping you do more with less. And this is one of the more practical podcasts that we're going to have that you literally can do more with less. Okay. Yeah. We're here with Trenton Mueller. And, hey, hey. Uh, hey, hey. And Trenton is worship leader slash co-pastor of a church in Southern California. That's a church plant, uh, less than two years old. And um, uh, just doing amazing, great stuff here. Was in Nashville where he was a part of a recording uh, like a recording engineer culture that he was doing there, songwriting, all that kind of stuff, and uh, left all that to move to Southern California and help plant a church. Awesome story uh, in another podcast. But um, we really want to talk about the recording side of things here for a yeah. few minutes. Now, some of you are songwriters or aspiring songwriters, or maybe a song just pops in your mind every now and then, and you're like, oh, I need to write that down, or I need to record that or something. And maybe even it's a song that uh, gets good enough, to, or you think it is, you're like, hey, I want to like record, record this and have my church learn it and things like that. And so um, not only is it a practical tool of recording, but I think it's a creative thing that where you can really be used by God to do just like some uh, really uh, use, just like stretch those creative muscles maybe uh, to make a song great, you know, and that always makes you a better musician when you do stuff like that. So, so let's talk about that a little bit, Trenton. So um, first of all, let's just back up a little bit. Now, what is your background in recording and songwriting? Yeah, so I, I, uh, my undergrad is in uh, was in audio production. So I, I studied in college. You do not need to go study in college to do it. <laughs> I learned that really quick after graduating, and and so so a um, lot of dollars that didn't get spent necessarily. The was not the most lucrative undergrad. Okay, for, got to, you. To, to be to be sure, got you. Uh, it was fun. It was very fun, and I I made good grades because it was easy. But uh, but you do not need an undergrad to do it. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I I lived in Nashville. I, I was doing uh, you know, was writing and, and producing music and engineering. Whatever. There's kind of different phrases for a very similar thing. So producing engineering music, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, um, for about eight years. What's your and, biggest album you did? Um, that was, uh, Justin, Justice, Justice Beaver. <laughs> Justice Beaver. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. His wow. first album, Baby. That was me. Oh, wow. No, that's all a lie. That was all a lie. Don't judge me for that. That would be cool though, listener. if you did that. That would have been cool. Would have been cool. Would have been a good break. Maybe you wouldn't be a church planner. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I probably wouldn't. <laughs> I probably would be in a different season of life if I had done that. Yes, for sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I, I recorded and, and produced and wrote and kind of was just a part of that Nashville culture for, mm-hmm. for a while. And I loved it. I still love it. And, uh, yeah, I, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm passionate about is I actually am like, believe that, that us as worship leaders are, are, I mean, in the, in the Psalms, we're commanded to sing unto the Lord a new song. And, and I think that worship leaders and, um, especially if you're interested or passionate about it at all, that, that more often than what the average one does, um, should be writing songs and, and even recording, even if it's not the best recording, just should be giving songs, like giving their church a mouthpiece mm. and, and a song and a yeah. message that's unique. I think that for me, I believe that 
should be done far more than searching for a new, you know, Chris Tomlin song or whatever, even though those are great. I just, I think that worship leaders have a lot more to give um, when it comes to just exposing their church to truth and to melody Mm -hmm. and marrying those two than, than what most worship leaders are probably empowered to do. Yeah. And one thing that we teach worship leaders a lot is that every church has a song. Yeah. And I don't mean a like particular song that was Mm -hmm. recorded, but a song. Yeah. That's that's broad, like a, a message, a, yep. a a a a a principle from scripture yep. that that church kind of owns. Yep. And I love the fact that you could write songs around that. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And that changes over time. Well, I was about to say, and the, it, yeah, churches even go in and out of seasons. Where mm-hmm. I mean, I think as so again, and I know that you uh, believe this too, Austin. Is like worship leaders are not just the the song singers. Like uh, I see a worship leader as an actual like co shepherd. Mm. And, and if you were shepherding and then, then God more often than not can impart stuff to you. That's also for the body, not just the teaching pastor. And so obviously you have to be in the right setting and have the right relationship with the teach with, you know, your lead pastor or teaching pastor or whatever. But, but if, if you are operating as a shepherd and out of this, just Holy spirit overflow, I believe a lot of, a lot of times if you create room for it, that God will give an experienced, inexperienced, any level, a worship leader songs that bless the body that they serve. Um, you know, yeah. there's a thing about this that, um, you know, cause, uh, I got shoved into teaching a, a songwriting class one time at a conference. This guy got sick at the last minute. And so I walked in there kind of 24 hours of, you know, preparedness, no, six hours of preparedness, maybe. And, um, and it's, it's funny because I've talked to a lot of worship leaders about this. And even in that, in that particular setting, and some are <clears throat> kind of like, I could never write a song good enough for anybody else to sing. Mm-hmm. And some are on the side. And, and so you see that there's some clarity to that because how many songs get written that you'll never hear? 99.99999% yeah. yeah. of them. Yeah. And then people are on the other side going, I'm putting a song out there, man. This is an amazing song, but it's really not that good. Absolutely. And so how do you figure out what's a song that you're just supposed to sing in the shower to Jesus yeah. <clears throat> versus a song that somebody else is supposed to hear? I think it has to come through collaboration with your pastor. Okay. I, I It it can't be like, it's so, so a big fear. And even for me as a worship leader, like there's this like, like real good godly fear of like, not wanting to come across like you're the cool guy who can just sing a song you wrote. Like mm-hmm. that is, and that is a good, I think that is a healthy thing to, to be in and to, but just like I said, if, if, if we're co-shepherds, if a supporting shepherd, but, but, but truly serving the body and the spirit of God is moving in and through. I mean, I even think of, of times where the, your pastor's speaking and you're the word of God is becoming alive for you. And you're like fired up, go write a song about it and then take it to your pastor and say, Hey, what if we sing this, this next week? Yeah. Do I have your approval? It, it has to be, I think if it, in its healthiest form in conjunction with, with and in sync with your, with your pastor. Okay. You, so here's a humble moment because yeah. you're already naked when you're introducing a new song to somebody else that you wrote. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's like a shaking your boots kind yeah. of thing. If you wear boots. Yeah. I don't. But yeah. since you were from Nashville. You, I, well, not anymore. I'm, you had I'm, boots. Yeah, but now it's vans because <laughs> I'm in California. <laughs> okay. Traded in your boots for vans. Yeah. That is a good song. Yes, I that's traded a country in, song. I traded in my boots for a cool pair of vans. Mm-hmm. I love it. 
I'm for some to... checkered vans. Yeah. What runs the vans? Uh, traded in my boots for some checkered vans. Gave up my pickup truck, but I got a tan. Oh, this is coming I'm along. In California. That's yeah. the first. There it is. Okay, we need to go. See, there's lay proof that, that I'm lay a songwriter. That, let's lay that down tonight. <laughs> it's so bad. I bet like 50% of your audience just turned off. They just podcasts. like this guy's horrible. Like, He's the worst. Done. I'm okay with that. Um, <clears throat> I don't even remember what we were talking about. We're talking about uh, writing songs. Oh, so your so your pastor then you're working in collaboration with him on this song that you wrote, and it's nerve wracking anyway to have that conversation. But like, I think the hard part is to distance yourself from that song. Absolutely. So, but this is what I say working with your pastor. I think, so in the healthy environments, I've been in some church environments where they've done this really well. There's actually like, I mean, I don't want to, I hate the word because it can be triggering, but there's like a committee, like at times, like I remember at one of the churches I was at, there was basically five people who had to sign off on a song before we would play it in front of our church. It's a really good idea, by the way. And, and to have some sort of structure. And, and some of these is. people weren't even musicians. Uh, one of them was the accountant. <laughs> like that may not be the right person. Well, I was about to say, I, <laughs> it's having a team. she was the one who I didn't like, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just this kidding. This song doesn't have numbers in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but like, I think there's gotta be a vetting process. It can't just be you. I think that could potentially be unhealthy. But if you're, say you go to your pastor and you're like, Hey, I want to establish a culture of serving our church in this new way. If he's interested, then you, your pastor, if you're a worship leader and one other person, get your most trusted band member, you guys vet the songs together. Yeah, it's good. Um, I even just on a adding new songs, whether they're Hillsong or not, me and my pastor vet them together, you know, like we already do that. So we would just then add in, you know, ones that I've written um, to that. And I think that's probably the healthy way to do it. Another good reason to have that is because people probably come up to you on a somewhat consistent basis and suggest songs to you. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's one of the most nerve wracking moments as a worship leader (laughs) is when they throw a song out there. And so it's really good to be able to say, Hey, well, we have a process for that. And here's the process. It goes through this group or this team or me and him or whatever. And it may or may not fit we get asked all the time for songs and some of them get in and some of them don't, don't, don't hear me say, we don't love you. If this song doesn't make yeah, it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. You do have to definitely learn how to like take your emotions down a notch. Cause yeah. a lot of times you write a song, it's your baby. And yeah. sometimes they're not, every song you write is not necessarily supposed to be in corporate worship. Almost none of them. I really think that <clears throat> I really, I mean, you've hear a lot of really good songwriters say, you know, for every hundred songs I write, there's one that anybody else except me hears or something, yeah. you know, something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. But it's crazy. Okay. Let's talk then. You got a song. You got a part of a song. You yeah. got something you want to record. Um, that's a daunting task for people because they're thinking gear and yeah. money and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, let's say you're in your living room and that's all you have. What's a good way to deal with that? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I... I do not think you have to have the, you know, $5,000 a day, you know, studio massive setup at all. I've done so many things in just smaller environments. And I think, I think for the most part, a lot of people are kind of waking up to this, but, but yeah, I mean, if you have a small office or a living room and, and the desire to learn, I think most people can record some pretty, like some pretty good sounding stuff for for decently cheap these days. I mean, what used to cost, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars you can do for 
a couple. So let's and get really specific. What are some things like if somebody was like, I'm going to bare bones this thing, what do we need to get? Started? Great. So my, my instant recommendation. So, so there's a couple things. So you have, you've got to have a laptop or a computer of some kind. You have to have what's called a DAW, which is a, a digital audio workstation. So, you, so that's like Pro Tools or Ableton or Logic or GarageBand. You have to have some kind of interface on your computer. And then you have to have, um, you have to have a DAW on your computer. Then you have to have some kind of external interface that you're actually plugging your microphones into. Because you, because a Mac doesn't have a three prong XLR yeah, cable. Yeah, there's no XLR input. there. Yeah, they should have them. They should. They should. I think they've got like USB things that do mics, but th those probably aren't great for recording. Um, but yeah, so, so you've got to have a laptop. I'm just going to, I'm not going to like cover laptops. I mean, pretty much any MacBook. Is, is good. PCs are, are good too. I'm not as familiar with PCs. Um, but I recommend if you have a MacBook Logic because it's the cheapest. Okay. Good. And it's actually, Logic is really just GarageBand on stereo. Uh, or, or, steroids. Or on steroids. <laughs> or on stereo. It's in stereo. Yeah, it's in stereo. So there's actually uh, steroids. Steroids. Yeah. <laughs> steroids. That's what I meant to say. And so, so like if you already, if you have a MacBook at all, you have access to GarageBand. And if you upgrade it to Logic, it's going to look the same. It's going to feel the same. There's just a lot more features to it. Okay. And so I think Logic is a great way to start. And then as far as like, as far as it, uh, you know, your program on your computer. And then as far as interfaces, this is where people can really get tripped up. This is just my recommendation. It's not all encompassing, but I think there there's a company called Apogee and there's a, a, a recording interface called a duet. That's mm. pretty cheap. I mean, you can get, you can get like a two or three year old duet for less than $200. Mm. And they're, I mean, they sound amazing. So you can buy them used. Oh yeah. I would buy, I personally am a big fan of buying used on reverb.com. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, you can save, you know, 30% off the top. And if you have the money, then buy new. Absolutely. But, uh, so, so duet, as far as an interface, I think is a great starting. If you have even more money, there's an interface called an Apollo twin. That is what I, I literally have used that for $50,000 records. Like it, it is a, it is an amazing piece of gear. And it's mm. so amazing because it's, it allows you to, to, um, like use models of big soundboards that cost a ton of money digitally. Okay. So, so explain models to people. Then. So, yeah. So this gets kind of confusing, but if you're an electric guitar player, you, you know, like, like you've seen electric guitar players for, even if you're not one who show up with this little piece of digital gear and somehow it sounds like an amp, like it's, they have this little board that is not an amp that sounds like an amp. It and creates a digital sound of what you would normally what hear a, out correct. of a certain amp. Absolutely. So it, it's this is what you would call like modeling. And so if if they can do that with amps, they can also do that with pieces of recording gear. And so mm -hmm. you, you plug into this little interface and you have it, the the problem is, is the interface costs between four to seven hundred, depending on what kind and what year. Um, but then the the software on your computer, you also have an additional software on your computer that controls these models. Um, and I'll tell you this right now, Austin, you can put, um, or I'll just, uh, you can give people my email. I will, anyone who listens to this, who has questions about this, yeah. I will happily start an email or hop on a zoom call or whatever. If you want it okay. to, awesome. to have more questions, because this is, this is a lot on, on a podcast, but, 
But I would go, if your church has some budget, I would get an Apollo and, and a microphone and, and, and that's, that's about it. Like you have okay. your computer, you have your interface, which is, which is in addition to the computer, it's an additional piece of gear. And then you plug your microphones into that and then you just start to learn. I think that, I think the biggest thing is with anything new like this, it's daunting because there is a learning curve. But here's why, how I'll go back to kind of the beginning of this. If God is calling you into this season of shepherding and creating music for your church and, and you have that urge in yourself to record, you just got to do it. You mm. just got to like say, okay, I'm going to do this and get the blessing of your pastor or of your leader and just start learning. Like I know guys, I've got a four-year degree in recording. I know guys who have no degree who just worked hard and are more talented than me, you know, cause they wanted it. And yeah. so I think, I think the kind of the proof is in the pudding. If this is something that God is laying on your heart and that you want to do, and this is a way that you want to serve your church, then you just need to do it. And again, I'll, we can say my email at the end of this. <clears throat> we'll or put whatever. it, we'll put the, <clears throat> we'll put your email in the show notes. Great. Great. So I just want to get uh focused. There's three things that they need to think about to get started. Some sort of computer. Yep. Laptop. Okay. A laptop computer. Number two, they need a software program. Yes. That does a recording. Yes. And, and there's multiple of those. I'll list them one more time. There's Pro Tools. There's Ableton. There's Logic. There's GarageBand. There's Studio One. There's several more. And Logic e- would be the one that you're like, this is a good place I, I to think, start. Yeah, just because it's it's $299, mm-hmm. which sounds like, it might sound like a lot of money, but all the other ones are way more expensive than that. Like by a couple hundred, but like it's the cheapest one mm-hmm. and it does everything that all, they all are similar. Yeah. It's just like 95%, 99% of what you do. Cause a lot of times when you go up in technology, you never use the stuff you paid extra. Absolutely. For. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, so that's two, that's the second thing. Yeah. And then the third thing you need is a place to plug in your guitar and your yeah. mic so that you can USB that into the computer. Yeah. And the two recommendations you gave for that is the, the Apogee, the Apogee Duet. Apogee Duet. Or, um, or if you have the budget, I, I, I mostly recommend a, an Apollo twin is what okay. it's called. Gotcha. And how many inputs do they have at one time? Just two. Okay. Both so you of have those... to really build your band as mm-hmm. you go. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that is not a record a full band size. Now I will say both of those companies, both Apollo and Apogee have got bigger interfaces with more plugins they're just more expensive so if you're gonna if you're gonna do a little two channel thing like that where would you start in terms of recording would you do vocal like scratch vocal guitar would so, you start with would yeah you start with? i i always start with like whatever your dominant instrument is if you're a keyboard players or if you're a keyboardist or you're a guitarist i start with just laying down that and then recording the vocal i personally prefer isolation um and, and recording, so doing kind of one thing at a time, mm-hmm. depending on what you're going for. If you're going for a live, let's all record in a room at the same time, then that's different. But but um, I would recommend laying down to a click track your, you know, instrument of choice and then singing on top of that. Um, that would kind of be be the way I would start gotcha. any recording. And then build bass, drums, yeah, whatever after you build, that. You build on top of that. <clears throat> awesome. I literally just did a record during quarantine where we literally did one thing, at, like, 
typically I would like to have a couple like bass and drums done. So we, it was literally just one thing at a time. And it's just all the start. Snare, just the snare. Well, no, no, no. I, that, <laughs> Hey, I've, I've programmed drums for twos and you kind of do it that way. But, but no, like, uh, we, it literally just started with a piano and then we recorded a vocal and then I recorded some acoustics and then we put some programming on it and then a drummer recorded on it and then a bass player recorded on it. And then, and it was all like done remotely. When you, over. Did, when you did drums, was it with an electric kit that you could just bring in two channel or how did that work? So that was that specifically, I used a studio in Nashville that I was able to kind of remotely film into from LA. Uh, I gotcha. So that was, that was, uh, that sounded so cool when you said that. Did it? It was a, it was a studio in Nashville. I was able to re remotely record into from LA. I, mean, I, I guess that did sound kind of bougie. That was, I received that, was, that. That was amazing. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Makes me sound a lot cooler than I really am. <laughs> well, hey man, thank you for all that. It's just a gift that you're gonna really get your email in there, and we'll see uh, if you need some help. If you really are interested in trying to set this up or need to troubleshoot something, Trenton just said he'd help you. So yeah, take advantage. Absolutely. One last thing I want to ask you, just as a worship leader specifically, you've been a worship leader for for a yeah, long time now. So sixty years. Sixty years, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, Trenton doesn't sound it. He's ninety four years old. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's my old man. I, again, you just lost. Now we're down to like twelve <laughs> listeners. It's cool though. I don't know if we had twelve start, but anyway. So, um, what is one thing as a worship leader that you try to do every week to to be a better worship leader? Um, I think in my current season, I am, I think so much of my young, so I'm 31. I, I'm not actually 90 or whatever you said a second ago. I think so much of my younger worship leading years and time, I spent so fixated on the music side of things. Right like singing good and playing good. And I, I mean, like when Lincoln Brewster came out, when I was like, you know, I was like 18. I remember I like would try to play lead guitar and lead worship. And yeah. I just, I cared so much about the music and the music is important and we should care about it. But the older I get, the more that I'm like, I would rather be hitting wrong notes and be filled with the Holy Spirit and be shepherding well mm. than hit all the right notes and the anointing of God be far from me. Yeah, and so I I care so much more about my actually my my spiritual walk yeah. and my depth and me being in the Word all week long and me praying for the service all week long and me asking God to show up and me praying for my pastor and praying that the gospel would be clear and like basically the spiritual side of worship leading is becoming so much more my focus than being good at music. That's wrong. And, and that, I think that's part of that is just coming with age, but yeah. I, I am seeing God do so much more because I'm not trying to be this perfect singer, musician person, and I'm just begging him to show up. That's strong, man. And, and so that's something, and again, I, I, I'm not always perfect at that, but, just begging God to do a work every single time that I step on stage um, is kind of the season that I'm in right now. Yeah, it's good, man. That's really good. 
Well, thanks, Trenton, for being with us. Yeah. Thank you for imparting uh, your wisdom as a worship leader and a leader and as a technologist and as a songwriter. It's been a good conversation. Yeah, seriously. Uh, last thing I'll say, just um, yeah. uh, I I really am. I'm very passionate about helping people kind of step into their their recording abilities. So if, if it felt like an overload, please send me an email. Again, my email will be in the show notes and I can uh, help guide you. We can even get on a Zoom call or whatever. Boom. And uh, help you get set up to start serving your church in a new way. The good thing is if you get on a Zoom call with him and he's home, then you get to see his two kids. Yes, they are cute and fat. Cute. And chubby. And fat. Leo just has my, my two-year-old has big cheeks, but my four-month-old has my at-risk chin. It's just all chin. It's <laughs> terrifying. <risk>. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, man. Well, God bless you. Thanks yeah, so much. Thanks, and thank you for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Thank you very much. Bye.